We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to go ahead and do rapid fire right now? I'm always ready to dive into rapid fire, baby. I'm going to lead with a little bit longer question okay rapid fire okay. tonight than than we usually do but this is also you know like i was talking about super freak up top and like have you you know have you been watching on social media you know lately the the edwin diaz the new york mets closer have you seen any of the videos where, the, where they've got him coming out you know, with his entrance song, his walk-up song. That's called Narco by Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet. And you okay. remember for a year when we did Rapid Fire on my old radio show. That was, long. That was our song. That the was Edwin the song. Diaz walk-up song. That was our song. And it's like, I'm seeing all this. They're, you know, they're tweeting all this stuff in the videos and I'm listening. And it just hurts my heart, Vince. It hurts me so much that we can't use that song anymore because it's such a fun song. It like, you know, got us bouncing around and got us hyped up. You know, That's it's, right. It's funny that you mentioned that because I did see the video on, on Twitter or wherever. And I was like, man, that's a great song. Where have I heard that song before? <laughs> you couldn't nope. even remember. Oh, uh, that's, that was the rapid fire. Like, it's just so ingrained in my head. I remember standing there and I'd be like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all coming back to me now. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. So I'm, uh, you know, my heart is is hurting for for Narco by Blaster Jackson and Timmy Trumpet. But anyway, it's rapid fire time. So a Twitter account called Big Game Boomer puts out various rankings that are college football related. Now, you know, now look, you know, again, you probably take a lot of them with a grain oh, of salt. But, you know, whoever this is, they're putting out, you know, all these different it. college football rankings. Huh? This guy loves his lists. There's he does. No about that. He, he does. is all about the lists. He does. And so he's got a list. His latest list is a ranking of the top offensive and defensive coordinator combos in the nation. Notre Dame's Tommy Reese and Al Golden combo comes in 10th. Here's the top 10. Ohio State, Kevin Wilson, Jim Knowles. The offensive coordinator comes first, by the way. Number two, Baylor, Jeff Grimes, Ron Roberts. Number three, Georgia, Todd Monk and Will Muschamp. Number four, Josh Gaddis, Kevin Steele. Number five, Arkansas. That was Miami. Arkansas is number five. Kendall Bryles, Barry Odom. 
Number six, NC State, Tim Beck, Tony Gibson. Number seven, Bill O'Brien, Pete Golding from Alabama. Number eight, Mark Whipple, Eric Shenander from Nebraska. Number nine, North Carolina, Phil Longo, Gene Chizik, and then Reese Golden is number 10. So you look at the list. Are Golden and Reese, are they too high? Are they too low? Are they just about right? What do you think? They're both kind of unproven, is my point. And the, you know, Tommy Reese has been there. He's been in the position for a few years, obviously, but, and he's gotten better and better every year. But this is the first year he's kind of doing it himself. And I don't think any can, anybody can debate that. This is going to be a very telling year for Tommy Reese's offensive coordinator. Yep. Al Golden hasn't been a defensive coordinator since I was in college. So, it's I mean, true. it's been a long time that he's been calling the plays, right? I think it was 2005 or 2006 or, you know, either way, it's been a long time, okay? And so I'm okay with them. I'm okay with them having them at 10 for now, but I feel like they're going to rise up the ranks, especially when you look at some of the people that they have above them, I I think are a little nutty. Like, really, we're going to put Nebraska – Ahead that's, of Notre Dame, we're gonna that's put one of a couple. Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't think Jim Knowles belongs in the number one spot. He's never he has never been a defensive coordinator at Ohio State before. He was he was good at Oklahoma State. Don't get me wrong. Notre Dame had no problem scoring on him. So yeah, you know what I mean. So and Kevin Wilson, yes, he's the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. He's not running the offense in there. Yeah, you know that's true. So I guess. I guess I have a little bit of a problem with Ohio State being number one because one one guy's new and the other guy doesn't call the plays. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so yeah, I've got an issue with some of the people ahead of them. If you would have told me, hey, where do you think they should rank? I'd be like, yeah, about 10. I think that's about right. But the people that are, some of the people that are above them, I'm like, well, they probably should bump up a little bit. Yeah. You know? That's, so, that's kind of, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, it's Ohio State, so I don't have a horrible problem. You know, like you said, Knowles hasn't, been at Ohio State before, but at least he's been a defensive coordinator for a while and had some right. success at Oklahoma State. You know, like the Baylor, Baylor guys haven't been around for that long. Georgia, you know, Munkin, you know, helped them obviously win a national championship. Now they got Mushamp coming back. You know, and they're again like this is a guy who's predominantly been a head coach for you know for a while. Sure. Miami is Miami is another head scratcher to me because okay, now you've got a you're putting this staff together. They haven't done anything yet you know like josh gaddis solid run at michigan but he wasn't miami's first choice we, we know that right mm-hmm. um <laughs> kevin Steele is another guy who's you know he's bounced around this is his sixth school in the last wow. 10 years now you know wow. so i've got no problem with arkansas Pittman, you know sam Pittman, the head coach and browse and odom have been there with him so far and that turnaround that they've done you know so i think they've kind of proven it so far, the NC State guys being up, you know, high and, and the North Carolina yeah. guys being that high. Like, what have any of those guys done? You know, Longo right. did well as offensive coordinator, but you know, let's see what he does without Sam Howell now. Right. And exactly. you know, like Gene Chizik is his coordinator. He hasn't coached at all for six years. The last time he did coach, he was fired at North Carolina by Larry Fedora. And so you're putting them up there. You know, at, at number eight, and then I completely agree with Nebraska has no business being no. on this list. They hired the Pitt offensive coordinator, and you know Whipple. The you know their defense is actually halfway decent. You know they they bring in the Pitt 
coordinator because of the fact that the offense, you know, has been so inconsistent and, you know, just at times flat out bad. So I, I'm surprised that they're at number nine. Again, the you know, Nebraska like, staff is this close from getting fired. And yes. They're top yes. 10. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Uh, that's yes. no. Yeah. So you pick it apart, you know, but like, just like you said, Al Golden's got his own questions. So just the fact that they've right. got, you know, Reese and Golden there at number 10 is like maybe, eh, you know, who knows? Right. So, like I said, if you would have told me, I'd be like, yeah, they're about 10. I'm okay with that. But then yeah. you look at the actual list and it's like, okay, well, maybe they're more like seven or six, right. <laughs> you know, it, and right. I wouldn't have any problem with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so earlier in the show, we were talking about the freaks list. So here's a question for you. Fill in the blank. The most special player on Notre Dame's roster is blank. This is a tough one because there's a lot of different directions that you could go, and I've been all over the place with this one. I am I'm gonna go with Michael Mayer, and I know we've we've kind of beat that horse to death, but he's that good. I, I really think he transcends the position and he could lead the team in receptions and yards as a tight end, and they've got some pretty talented wide receivers as well. Mm-hmm. So I just I just feel like because he's versatile, you could split him out, you could put him on the line, he can literally go up against any defensive back or linebacker that you're gonna put on him. And he's still going to catch the ball. I mean, when in doubt, throw it to 87. I, I've got to go with Michael Mayer. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't think there's any way that that you can deny that because, of you know, just like look at how last season played out. And he had the groin injury. He played through it. You know, he was still out there and still put up amazing numbers. And, you know, again, for a tight end who doesn't necessarily have like, like the Tyler Eifert body type, you know, like a little right. longer and sleek and all that to be up there at the top of, you know, of the team in terms of receiving production right up there with, with Kevin Austin, you know, I, th- I think that shows you something and he's going to be right up there again and teams are going to have to figure out how to deal with him. And there's, there's going to be so many adjustments for both sides that are all going to revolve around Michael Mayer. Like right, absolutely. when you're playing Notre Dame, your first task is to figure out where 87 is and what you're going to do to defend him to try to take him away. And it's going to be up to Notre Dame, obviously, to prove that they can do other things besides just get him the football. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's, I mean, as if he hasn't broken out already, he, he's going to have an amazing season because there was some people in the chat that were talking about how he was underused in the past. I, I actually think that's accurate. I think, I think he was underused to a degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, with the way that they're going to run this offense with RPOs, they're going to be RPO heavy and, you know, all of that different stuff. I really think that you're going to have some options to throw the ball to Michael Mayer in that triple and quadruple RPO option type thing. So he's going to get opportunities and he's going to get one-on-one opportunities that are, are, you know, he's going to take massive advantage of. And I think he's going to be Tyler Buckner's best friend, frankly, when it's all said and done. So he's, he's going to put up numbers. And if he doesn't win the Mackey award, I just, I don't even know what to say. How are you even having the award? Why do you have the award? Right. The fact that he wasn't even a finalist last year was a crime against humanity. I don't understand that at all. Uh, But if he doesn't win it this year, oh my gosh, we'll we'll go pick it wherever the Mackey award, uh, you know, headquarters are. Tyler says the Blake groupie disrespect is real. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about an athletic specimen. I mean, (laughs) it is rare that I've looked a football player at Notre Dame in the eye. I can do that. Well, I think the underutilized thing is is correct. I think sometimes you can outsmart yourself a little bit, and and you just got to feed the beast. Absolutely, this year it's like when you have that dominant down low guy, right? Sometimes it's not pretty. It it may not be flashy, but he's going to score for every single time. Get him a rock on the block and watch him go to work. It's the same situation for me. Just get him the ball. He's going to catch it. You're gonna get. You're gonna move the chains, and it's gonna be great. I agree. Okay, fill in the blank. HBO's Hard Knocks with the Detroit Lions debuted last night, and one of the highlights of the show was head coach Dan Campbell doing up downs with the defense, and that's blank. Refreshing, to be honest with you. I think that's refreshing. I look. I know it's the NFL. I know that it's a job. I know that it's a business. You treat these guys differently. Almost everybody on the team is making more money than the head coach. I should say the superstars are making more money than the head coach, which is a weird dynamic all by itself. But the fact that he's willing to get in there and he's trying to – what he's doing is he's trying to form relationships with these guys. He's trying to show that he's not better than them. You know what? I love it. That's refreshing to me. Coaching is all about relationships. And and the NFL is very quickly going to the CEO route. You know what I mean? Where it's – just kind of delip, you know, sending out signals and doing things and whatever. I love the relationship piece. That's what coaching is all about to me. And he's trying to develop those relationships with his players. I love it. It's refreshing. And he didn't just do a handful of up downs. I sat there and counted every single, and they, I think they, they actually ended up like they were, someone was counting on, on microphone as well. They did 40 in probably a minute and a half, two minutes, 40 up down. Love it. And the head coach, now obviously he's a former player, and like you look sure. at the guns on Dan Campbell, he's in pretty good shape sure. himself. But he, he he actually had his wrist taped because he was talking afterwards about how like he tripped over his dogs coming down the stairs at his house and he hurt his wrist. <laughs> and so he had his wrist taped so he could do it. And, you know, I just think, you know, it's the Detroit Lions – are a long-suffering program, and I and I'm not saying this to be mean, it just but is what it is, man. I, I've said it before: is like 
you deserve a medal if you're a Detroit Lions fan and you've been a Detroit Lions fan for a long time because there has just not been much there. And he's obviously trying to build buy-in and all that kind of stuff. And to watch the head coach, you know, like, could you have imagined Jimmy Johnson ever doing, you know, he couldn't do four up downs. He'd mess up his hair. Especially back when he was coaching, you know, or like, could you even imagine Lou Holtz doing the up downs for that matter? You know, now Marcus Freeman, I could see Marcus Freeman doing the up He could and probably would. I mean, I could see just about maybe anybody but Harry, you know, on the staff doing right. the up downs. Harry's sure. like, oh, I, did, I got no time for that, you know. So yeah, is... a few other choice words. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. And you know, the fact that he was out there doing it right away, it's like the first day of practice. Yeah. Defense is out there and they're like, okay, up downs. And it's like, boom, here's the head coach turned his hat around backwards, did 40 of them. Like That's I said, impressive. about a minute and a half, two minutes. It was Good very impressive. He wasn't him. even breathing that hard afterwards for that matter. So I would be. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, so I heard a podcast host say that he thinks they were talking about Vin Scully and, you know, like okay. some of the big moments, you know, Vin Scully had and, and stuff like that. He was saying – he thinks that most play-by-play and game analysts would preferably know the outcome of the big plays, you know, or moments in advance of them happening because then they could be better prepared for those moments. And so now Vince, you and I have called a lot of games together. Do you buy or sell that? There are very few questions that you have asked me where it was an instant answer in my head, okay? This is an instant sell for me because the whole romance of the play-by-play, okay? And I and I know that may be a cheesy word to use, but to <laughs> me, it it's an art. It's an play-by-play is an art, and it's all about the emotion of the moment. Okay? You can and I don't know if you did this or not because you called the national championship game with the women and if they in, you know, if they won the game, they win the national championship. If they lose, they don't. So you probably thought about what you were going to say ahead of time if they happen to win. But big plays in the moment, like that's the best part of play-by-play. It's it's the in-the-moment emotion and the call, all of that. If you knew about it ahead of time, it would be so fake and it would be so rehearsed that I don't think that it would be any good. I It's a huge sell for me. I hate it. I don't like it. Yeah, I know that, you know, there are some – play-by-play announcers who, you know, kind of jot down a few things like, if I get to this moment, you know, this is, you know, these are some, I've heard that. I have never, I've never even thought about, you know, like, if this happens, here's what I'm going to say. None of that kind of stuff. Everything that I've ever done as a play-by-play announcer has been completely spontaneous and it's all like free flow. And it's just, to me, you know, as a play-by-play announcer, one of, one of the big not challenges, but it can be a challenge, I guess, for some people. But but one of the one of the criteria that you have to meet is how do you meet the moment? Yes. And I don't think you can meet the moment if it's not spontaneous because Correct. because then it comes out just sounding, you know, cheesy or you know, you know, and I know Joe Buck has been accused of of some of those things before you know because you know basically everybody loves to hate joe buck but at the same you know i think most of his have actually been spontaneous as well and it's you know again you know like the national championship or you know like any of the big baseball calls from from back in the day everything has just been 
see it and say it. And, you know, whatever pops into my tiny brain, (laughs) that is what ends up coming out. And that to me is the fun of it, you know, like, because again, if I would have tried to, to plan out some of that stuff or have it written down or, you know, like talk shows and stuff like that are different, you know, you've got your notes and even game, you know, game notes, you know, as you're, as you're going along. But in terms of what actually happens on the field, I would never want to know what's going to happen because I think that that's when you end up stumbling over your tongue and and stuff like that, because then you're, you know, again, it's like, it's kind of like what we've been talking about this week with, you know, like mechanics and things like that. If you're thinking about it, it can't be natural. Right. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. And one of the best parts about doing radio or play by play color, you know, doing it with you and all of this different stuff is number one, you and I are sports fans. Right. And one of the best things about sports is you don't know what's going to happen. That's <laughs> you, exactly right. You don't play the game on paper. You got to play the game. And I don't know what's going to happen. And we're right there going right along with the ride, you know, on the ride with the listener. And I yeah. think that's the best part about it is we don't know what's going to happen. And we're going to tell you what happened. We're going to tell you what we see. And we're going to get excited with you or we're going to be depressed with you or whatever. I think that's some of the best part about doing radio is we're all on the same ride. And if you know what's coming, that's just, I'm sorry. That's no good. It's no fun. Not at all. Not at all. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Costco is selling (laughs) pairs of football tickets for schools like South Carolina and Rutgers. Oh, it's probably sad for those institutions, but at the same time, you know what? If I am a fan of those schools or I am a player at those schools, I don't care how you get butts in the seats. I want people to watch me play and I want people to come support me. So whatever you got to do to get them in the stands to cheer for my team, I am all for it. It Look, we all love Costco. We're all there. (laughs) <laughs> and we're we're all impulse shoppers when we're there, and maybe right. there's a South Carolina fan and a yeah, Rutgers fan. Football tickets. Hey, yeah, you want to yeah, take it a game? Okay, let's go. And you grab it, and you throw it in, you get your so, cards, and you go. You're gonna go to Costco in New Jersey, and like you walk down one of those aisles, and you know, <laughs> like I saw some pictures of these. You know, they've got like the card, and like you pull out one of these cards, and on it it says. You know, two lower level sideline tickets, $99, a 38% savings per placard. Or I go to South Carolina, it says two upper level tickets for $89. I mean, you know, like you look at that alone, two lower level sideline tickets for 99 bucks. I mean, you know, attendance has been down in college football, right? you know, across the board. And so, I, you know, I kind of give it to, to these schools for – Maybe thinking outside the box a little bit. It looks odd to think that you can go to Costco and you know pluck a pluck a placard off the shelf over there and then go ring up a couple of tickets at the front register. Placard. But you got to do what you got to do. You know, like you said, you got to get butts in the seats. Yeah. And at least at least they're thinking outside the box a little bit to try to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Again, whatever you got to do to get people in the stadium to watch a game, you go ahead and do it. And this is a new time. This is a new generation of people. Some people aren't going to go out of their way to go buy tickets, and it it might actually be just an impulse purchase. I don't think people are – maybe there are people like this, but I don't know if people are going to be like, you know where, I can go get some tickets. I'm going to Costco. I think it's more like, hey, that's a really good deal on tickets. Let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, like buys. you said, it's it's all these impulse buys to begin with. Absolutely. So, you know, so you're, you're, you're rolling into Costco, and, you know, like if – 
you know, if, if Costco, if you rolled in here in town and it was like, you know, Notre Dame Marshall tickets or whatever, you know, hey, I, I doubt that they're going to sell out Marshall at the ticket prices that I've seen. They could do worse. I'd be giving it a shot. I yeah. think, I, I think it's worth a shot, you know, Marshall, UNLV, whatever it happens to be, Absolutely. the Western Michigan game, you know, there's again, do you want to sell it or not? Fans. Let's get those rowdy fans, you know. It, Let's get those Costco, you know, buyers in there, man. It's amazing. Like, look at now again, you know, you've, you've still got COVID, so there are some other factors as well. But like you, that sellout streak wasn't that long ago, you know, like right. when that sellout streak ended, and now you've got, you know, patches all over the stadium that need to be filled. So. Yeah, it was actually pretty bad last year. And again, you can blame some of that on COVID, and I totally understand that. But there were plenty of games that we went to where we looked out at game time and there were a lot of empty mm-hmm. seats. And that's just not, you know, we I've been going to games since 2004 and that's just not something that you saw, you know, from, from the press box view. And uh, it was a little disheartening, to be honest with yeah. you. You know, what's Brian makes a good point in the chat. Brian J. Irish, I hope we see more green than orange when Clemson visits. I'm getting tired of seeing so many visitor fans in the stands you know yeah. the last time clemson came here it was an empty stadium for yeah. the most part just friends and fan or you know family yeah we're, we're in the stands but that's it yeah <laughs> drunk drunk vigo do you need five kayaks <laughs> yeah. troll, dt uh troll hunter says i just bought my fifth kayak at costco it's <laughs> yeah. a great conversation going nice. on. nice nice <laughs> All right, the Chicago Cubs have announced Jason Hayward will not be back with the team next season. Vince, they're going to release him in the offseason with one year, $22 bucks left on his contract. You're a Cubs fan. Do you buy or sell the move? Look, I never understood the vitriol that Jason Hayward received from fans at times. The bottom line is, and, and I realize it's a, an albatross of a contract. I get that. Totally. They should not have paid what they paid to get him to come in. But, and here's the big but in this one, they don't win the World Series without Jason Hayward. It's true. And I am not willing to give back that World Series in 2016. And so if I'm not willing to give that back, then I'm not willing to be upset about Jason Hayward being with the Cubs. Okay? Now, with that said, I don't really have an issue with him letting him go. I realize they're going to be on the hook for a year's worth of salary. I hope that they go out and, you know, get a, uh, you know, a competent replacement and all of those things that you, if you're a Cubs fan, you're hoping has, has, or will happen here in the very near future, um, that they build up the roster again and all of those things. So I don't really have an issue. I mean, he's played out his usefulness to the team and Mm -hmm. I get that it's a business. So I don't really have a problem with that. I just, man, I've, I've just never understood everybody's hatred toward him. I've never had an issue. I think he's a great leader. Did he live up to his contract on the field? Probably not. But, you know, again, you don't have the World Series without him. So I, you can consider me a Jay Hay fan. No, I mean, that's that's fair. You know, he was a contributor to the World Series team. And he, he you know, he gave the, uh, the famous speech during the rain delay and all that stuff. And they go on to come back to beat Cleveland and, and win the World Series. Th- those are all true statements. It's just like... Jason Hayward and his unwieldy contract have been in Chicago so long. He was there at the beginning of the first buildup, you know, along with 
Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and all those young guys coming up. And now the that same contract, he is still there for the teardown. <laughs> you know? He's and, been there a long time. That's right. And they're getting rid of him so they can build it back up once sure. again. So they can make you know way for these prospects and all this stuff. And it's you know, I I get what you're saying to a point because you know, just do the ends justify the means? Well, they won the World Series. That's all you want. They broke, you know, yeah. the the drought and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you're not stuck with Jason Hayward and his 22 to 25 million bucks a year for the last four years, maybe you're able to keep Rizzo and or Bryant, sure. you know, and or but you know, you probably are able to keep a couple of those guys around and maybe you're not in a complete teardown mode right now but at the same time you know this is something that I was thinking about earlier in the season like if he doesn't start producing and you've got all these prospects that you want to bring up do you just say hey we're going to eat 22 million bucks and come what may you know Jason it's been great having you but we've got to bring these prospects up and and that's that's what they ultimately are doing and he's still going to get paid He's yeah. going to get all that money still, yeah. and he's going to have a chance to go play someplace else. You know, he'll make a lot less money, obviously, on the next contract. But you know, you're right. He's a great locker room guy, great team guy. He's done all. He's done basically everything but perform at an elite level sure. as an offensive player. Right. Absolutely. And of course, look. Of course, I wanted yeah. more on the field from him. Stymie. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. 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 He's still uh, he's still doing things, man. The the other guys that kind of gone away or that they've traded away and all that you haven't really heard from them, have you? Just saying. Yeah, I, Rizzo is about the only one. Yeah, you know? I mean he's contributing obviously for the Yankees who are having an amazing yeah. year. He has another chance to get a ring. Uh, but uh, Javi Baez up in Detroit, I think he's been injury prone. He, he you know still yeah. terrible at the plate. I haven't heard anything from Chris Bryant. I, Bryant, you, know, you hear nothing. Not yeah. on the you know, the mountain time. So I'm not going to hear a whole lot about him, but he's, you know, wasn't an all-star. I know that, Um, you know, so, you know, we'll see what happens here moving forward with the Cubs, but uh, I don't have an issue with them getting rid of Jay Hay, unfortunately. All right. Well, thanks again for sticking with us tonight. We had the uh, technical difficulties at the beginning of the show and appreciate you stopping by and, uh, and jumping in Uh, a lot of spirit in the, uh, in the old YouTube chat going on tonight, Vince. There are, there not arguing, but debating about a lot of different things. So it's been a lot of fun kind of watching that. Again, we're back at Notre Dame tomorrow morning, and then uh, we'll be talking with Harry Heastan and the offensive line, some of the offensive linemen anyway, afterwards, and then Al Washington and the defensive line Friday, and then a Marcus Freeman press conference over the weekend. So we've got more stuff, as always, Woo! as training camp tomorrow wraps up week number one. Seventh day of camp tomorrow. All right, Vince, thanks as always. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, Monday, Monday. Don't forget, hit that like button, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. It helps out the Irish Breakdown platform. We will talk to you tomorrow. Ivy Nation Sports Talk will be back with you.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.